1: Thousands of Dr. Fauci's emails have been obtained through a simple Freedom of Information Act request. And it turns out, not only were we right about everything, but Dr. Fauci very likely knew that we were right about everything, even though he said that we weren't. The masks, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, so much more. A New York accounting program prohibits white students from applying. A serious Democrat launches a campaign against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for 2022. And Major League Baseball wants you to know that it is super duper gay. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday is from OSU Formulator with the four and the eight. That's a clever and confusing name. Who says, If you can find an accountant, then you ain't black. Former Vice President Zhao Biden. <laughs> Rewriting it because he is kind of in the pocket of China. And yes, that that accountant line, one of the many, one of the many offensive comments he's made about black people in his long career, but it won't hurt him at all because of the way racial politics shakes out. That's just the way it is. You gotta be prepared for it. And if you want to be prepared, I strongly recommend you check out ReadyWise. Now is a better time than ever to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. ReadyWise has many options, such as emergency meals, freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition, and new adventure meals for hiking, camping, and other outdoor activities. When government resources are strained, it can be days, if not weeks, before fresh food is available. Do not put yourself in a situation where you need food during an emergency. Prepare today. Each meal is a combination of both dehydrated and freeze-dried ingredients. Meals are packed into durable, long-lasting pouches designed to keep food fresh for up to 25 years. Super easy to use. You just need water. The water doesn't even need to be hot, really. It's, it's, if the last year and a half hasn't taught you that it's good to be prepared, I don't know what will. This week, my listeners can get 10% off at ReadyWise.com when entering Knowles10 at checkout or by calling 855-453-2945. ReadyWise has a 30-day no-questions-asked return policy. There is no risk in taking the initiative to get you and your family prepared today. That is R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com. Promo code Knowles10 to get 10% off. You know I hate to say... I told you so. I think we're going to have to just rename this show, We Were Right About Everything. We Were Right About Everything, part one. We talked about that last week. That was this great deal of evidence that the experts were wrong. A whole slate of new studies, take them with a grain of salt, but the new studies contradict. The old studies show that the conservatives seem to have been right. Your your uneducated, rube conservative uncle actually was more correct about this virus than all the geniuses in the lab coats well this new treasure trove of dr fauci's emails is showing that as well and these emails it's not as though they were leaked it's not, it's not really from some secret source it's not as though they were declassified it was just simple freedom of information act request let's just go through very quickly because there's going to be a ton of disinformation about this today the media are going to try to downplay fauci's emails fauci admitting that we were right, most importantly, about the masks. Now, we knew this because Dr. Fauci said in a TV interview a year ago, a little more than a year ago, do not wear the masks. The masks are dumb. They don't work. Stop wearing the masks. Right. I'm paraphrasing only slightly. And then he changed his views two seconds later and told everyone we had to wear the masks. Well, here's what Fauci wrote in an email to uh, apparently a friend of his. Sylvia, Masks are really for infected people to prevent them from spreading infection to people who are not infected, rather than protecting uninfected people from acquiring infection. The typical mask you buy in the... This is very important. Pay attention to the slide. The typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective in keeping out virus, which is small enough to pass through the material. It might, however... Provide some slight benefit in keep out gross droplets if someone coughs or sneezes on you. I do not recommend that you wear a mask, particularly since you are going to a very low risk location. There are typos. I don't really blame him for the typos. People have a lot of those in emails, but I'm reading verbatim because I don't want to be accused of spreading misinformation. Now, we know that Fauci doesn't think the masks really matter when you're trying to protect yourself because Dr. Fauci has been caught many times when he thought the cameras weren't on him not wearing the mask. Notably, he wore the mask when he was in the baseball stadium dribbling the first pitch. And he was at least 60 feet away from anybody at that point. He had the mask on for a big show. Then he shows up to the stands with his friends whom he didn't live with. And he had the mask down. He wasn't even eating. He just had the mask down because he knows that they don't do very much there is a response to this that the left is going to push. They're going to say, but we already knew this, Michael. We knew the masks are are to protect other people, not to protect you, right? To protect people from you, right? Well, then as Dr. Fauci is saying, uh, only people who have the virus should, should be wearing the mask, right? To protect other people. But the left will say, Michael, what about asymptomatic spread? So first of all, and this is something else we're learning more and more from these emails, the CDC says that asymptomatic spread is unlikely to contribute to the spread of the virus. The CDC right now, uh, if you go to the CDC's website, article published April 2021 says, quote, in conclusion, our study suggests that asymptomatic cases are unlikely to contribute substantially to the spread of COVID-19. COVID-19 cases should be detected and managed early to quarantine close contacts immediately and prevent pre-symptomatic transmissions. Okay. But it's unlikely to contribute to the spread of the virus. Dr. Fauci knows this in his emails as well. Dr. Fauci saying, yeah, that's, this is not really going to be the primary mode of transmission of the virus. Okay. Even, even if it were, even if asymptomatic spread were a big issue here, if Dr. Fauci thought that were a problem, he would tell this woman to wear her mask. Right. You see, you can't, you can't simultaneously argue that, well, Michael, Dr. Fauci's advice makes perfect sense because really, you know, we're just talking about protecting people from, from yourself by putting the mask on and then argue that it was asymptomatic spread. And then argue that Dr. Fauci knew all of this when he told this woman not to wear it, because even if he's t- telling her not to wear it, because it doesn't matter to protect herself, surely she, she should be protecting other people. And so if he really thought this were effective, even for asymptomatic spread, he would tell her to, to put it on herself. But he didn't. He didn't. It was always a political tool. That's how he reversed himself so quickly. And that's why all of these other geniuses in the lab coats did too. Your rube uneducated uncle who who told you the masks are dumb and also me and also all of you, we were more correct than all the experts and all the genius politicians. Next email. What about the US funding for the research? We were told from the very beginning, there's no way the federal government, Dr. Fauci had nothing to do with funding this gain of function research abroad. Well, we've got an email here from the NIAID principal deputy director. So Dr. Fauci is the the big honcho over there. This guy's the principal deputy director, Hugh Auschenkloss, who responded to an email from Dr. Fauci uh, Dr. Fauci had told him, he said, It's essential that we speak today. You've got to speak today uh, about a paper regarding, quote, experiments performed before the gain of function pause. So, Auschwitz writes to Fauci, The paper you sent me says the experiments were performed before the gain of function pause, but since have been reviewed and approved by NIH. Not sure what that means since Emily this other lady there, is sure that no coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework. She will try to determine if we have any distant ties to this work abroad. So a lot of technical jargon there, but you get the point in the last sentence. We're going to try very hard to make sure that we're not tied to this work abroad. And then Dr. Fauci is clearly worried about this too, because he responds and says, it's essential that we speak this AM, keep your cell phone on. And then Auschenklaas later thanks Dr. Fauci for denying the possibility that the virus started in the lab. Well, why is Auschenklaas happy that Fauci would deny this possibility? He's, he's happy that Fauci shuts this down because then Auschenklaas and Fauci himself could be held liable for in any way funding this kind of research. And you know, Rand Paul grilled Dr. Fauci about this the other day. Fauci cleverly tried to deny it, but didn't quite deny it. Now, now Rand Paul is, is pointing out that, that Fauci very likely perjured himself. So there, on, on the question of US funding of this research, we were right. The experts were wrong. Next email. Uh, how about uh, the question of whether or not this virus was totally just straight from nature, totally from bats, or whether there was some engineered, manufactured component of it? We were told from the very beginning, there's no way the Fauci's of the world say there's no way this was totally from nature. Get it out of your mind that this was in any way manufactured. And everybody with two brain cells to rub together said, you know, it looks like there's a chance maybe human, humans and scientists in China had something to do with the way this, this virus was beefed up. Looks like we're right about that too, at least about the possibility. A researcher wrote to Dr. Fauci and said, quote, the unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome, less than 0.1%. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features potentially look engineered. Again, I'm I'm not saying it's definite and the Chinese scientists made this thing out of whole cloth. We're not saying that at all. What we're saying is that I guess as a scientific matter, but also just as a common sense political matter, if this kind of a virus is coming out right by this lab that's working on these, these sorts of viruses, and we know that scientists have been conducting this kind of research that beefs up natural viruses, it stands to reason that there's a good chance that, that some of this was engineered. And this, this scientist is writing this in to Dr. Fauci, and Fauci didn't dismiss it out of hand. He responded and said he looked forward to a phone call. This is something else you're seeing in a lot of the Fauci emails. A lot of this is call me, call me, call me. It's not, hey, write this out. Hey, spell this out to me because we can see what's in writing. Never send an email that you don't want published on the front page of the New York Times. But hey, give me a phone call means we got to talk about this, but I don't want there to be a record. Here's another email from Dr. Fauci. And this, I think, gets to the heart of the political matter here okay? There was always this bizarre double standard. Only bizarre when you don't realize the standards that the society is governed under. The marijuana dispensary in Los Angeles, that's an essential service. That's got to stay open. The church, not so much. We got to keep that shut down. Why? Does COVID only spreads at churches. It doesn't spread at the marijuana dispensaries. No, it's just that the, the liberal establishment values marijuana dispensaries, uh, increasingly so, as we'll see later on. And it doesn't value churches. It actually despises churches and wants to keep them shut down. So Dr. Fauci participated in this too. On Thursday, March 5th, he wrote an email uh, to uh, an associate of his. He said, Josh, you should counsel the rabbi to, counsel, to, to cancel the, the religious services on, and he gives the date, which has been redacted. So March 5th, 2020, you've got to tell this rabbi, stop holding his religious services. But then four days later, He said it was perfectly fine to hold campaign events and even to to hold some events on cruise ships. Why is that? The virus doesn't spread at campaign events, but it does at religious services? No. What Fauci is saying in his role as a politician is that we don't need churches open. Frankly, we might as well keep them shut down forever. We don't need synagogues open, but we do need the political religious rituals of liberalism and that's the way this goes. From the beginning, my big takeaway from this email is not that Fauci is some super duper evil mastermind. There's a lot of emails here. If you looked at any of anybody's emails, surely you could find ways to make people look bad. But I'm, I'm t- really trying here not to take things out of context. I'm trying to give him as much of the benefit of the doubt as possible. And what I'm seeing from this email time and time again is that Fauci prioritized political considerations and flacking for his political associates over presenting the scientific facts as clearly as he sees them. And this should stand as no surprise because Dr. Fauci is not just a scientist. Dr. Fauci is a politician. He works in public health, public means political. He gets his paycheck from the federal government. Presidents come and go, Dr. Fauci remains. That has been the case from the very beginning, which also, hate to say we told you so, we called it from the top, proven right again. I hate it. I hate being so right because politically they still have all of the power. By the way, if you want to get back a little bit of your power, certain private areas, I'd recommend you check out HIMSS. ForHIMSS.com is all about men's wellness. Do you need help with ED, hair loss, or have a cold? Are you interested in mental health or COVID-19 home tests? HIMSS is here for you. Through Hims, you can get the prescription medication that treats ED. You get the same active ingredient as that expensive little pill, but without the expensive price tag. No embarrassing conversations, no expensive appointments, just answer a few questions online about your medical history, and a provider will confidentially review. If approved, your medication is shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging, and shipping is free. All right, I know sometimes guys don't want to have these conversations. It's a little embarrassing. HIMSS makes it so easy. Try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to 4 Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, for your free visit. That is forhims.com Michael, F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com Michael. Prescription products are subject to medical provider approval and require an online consultation with a medical provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and safety information. Remember that it's forhims.com Michael. What the Fauci emails show us is not too much about the science, the S- capital S trademark over the E, The science changes, it comes and goes, and people who have common sense have been able to to know certain things about the coronavirus epidemic and lockdowns before the geniuses in the lab coats would admit it. What we're seeing is that the experts believe that some things are good and some things are bad. And that's not exactly a scientific discovery. That's a political and a moral and a religious stance and consideration and regime. You see this in all sorts of politics. In New York right now, I'll give you an example. There is an accounting program in New York for promising students who want to get better at accounting. So Campus Reform's Ben Zeisloft, who also writes for the Daily Wire, just uh, put this this report out about the career opportunities in the accounting profession program. This is sponsored by the New York State Society of, of CPAs, Certified Public Accountants, and the Moynihan Scholarship Fund. And it is- meant for 250 promising high school students. And if you want to apply to that, you can so long as you're black or Hispanic or Asian. I think Asians are allowed to apply. Not not totally sure. The one thing I do know is if you're white, you're not allowed to apply. This is a program designed to give people a leg up in accounting, but white people are not permitted to apply because we have a system of legal racism in this country, just like the left says, there is systemic racism and that systemic racism, the only legal racism in this country is against white people and to some degree, Asian people. And it's most notable in affirmative action, but you see it in places like this as well. Now, this this is hosted by a bunch of Very prominent institutes and colleges in New York. Ithaca College, Medgar Evers College, Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT, Siena College, St. John's University, SUNY New Paltz, SUNY Oswego, these are state universities too, the University of Buffalo, and Westchester Community College, not too far from where I grew up. This is your taxpayer dollars going toward hosting an event that's being done in association with these other institutes that will not permit white people in. Why? Because we are now living in a regime that says it's bad to give the same opportunities to white people as there are to black people and Hispanic people and Asian people. And and they'll, they'll tell you this if you push them hard enough. They'll say, well, yeah, because black people have been disadvantaged. Where it gets a little strange, however, is I do see the argument. You say, look, certain people came here On the Mayflower, certain people came here on slave ships. And we recognize that there is a sort of force to history. And because of that, we're trying to right historical wrongs. I'm not saying I agree with that argument, but I at least understand it. Black people do constitute, the black descendants of slaves uh, does constitute a sort of special case in the United States. But what about the immigrants? What? Why, why are we treating people who either came here voluntarily or are descended from people who came here voluntarily the same way that we're treating people who came here or whose, whose ancestors came here on slave ships? Why, why are we pretending that immigrants are oppressed? Immigrants chose to come here and they chose to come here largely to give their progeny a better life. Why are we pretending that they're oppressed? That's insane. If, you, if this is such an oppressive place, don't come here. If the immigrants thought this was a terribly oppressive place, they wouldn't have come here, but they did. So I, I could almost understand the argument if you said this is only for black people. It's still, again, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying I understand it. But now we're saying, okay, and Hispanics too. Hispanics get a leg up and white people aren't allowed to apply. Why? They came here voluntarily. And their, rather their ancestors came here voluntarily. And thousands of them are coming here voluntarily every single day, pouring illegally across the border. Why are we pretending that America has been un- so unjust and bigoted toward these people, the people who are, who are begging, pleading to come here and breaking our laws to do it very often? That is not particularly coherent unless you're living in a racist regime that says white people bad, other people good. White people bad, to a lesser degree Asian people bad, everyone else good. That, that is the racial regime that we're living under. And it's no surprise that people think that race relations are getting worse and worse. There's a poll out now from Rasmussen Reports, just came out on Tuesday. It showed that people believe that under the Biden administration, race relations are getting worse in the United States. A plurality of people, 39% say race relations are worse, followed by 28% who believe race relations are better then another 28% who say that they're about the same and 5% who remain unsure. As you might not be surprised to hear, it breaks down largely along party lines. Although the fact that the majority of people, or rather the plurality of people say that it's have gotten worse shows that it's not purely party lines. Uh, Republicans are more likely to say they've worsened 65% to Democrats, 16%. And what you're going to hear as a response to the survey is, well. Michael, black people say that race relations have gotten better. And that's only uh, sort of true. Actually, the plurality of black people surveyed here, 36%, Say that race relations are about the same under Joe Biden as they are under Donald Trump. Then 34% say they're better, and 24% say they're worse. So the plurality are saying it's about the same, which is, is an indictment of Joe Biden. Don't forget, Joe Biden launched his presidential campaign. The first statements of the first presidential ad that he launched during the primaries began with the lie that Donald Trump called white supremacists and neo-Nazis very fine people in Charlottesville. That did not happen. Lock that away with the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy. It's just not true. But that's what Biden began his campaign on. So he's saying Donald Trump basically is working for the KKK. (laughs) Donald Trump is an evil white supremacist, racist, neo-Nazi president. So if you elect me, things are going to get better. The very fact that the plurality of black respondents to this survey say that they haven't gotten better, is an indictment of Joe Biden. He's no worse than that awful neo-Nazi white, he's no better rather than that evil neo-Nazi white supremacist president, Donald Trump, which is, uh, I I think, spreading throughout all of our political discourse. You see, we, we use this language of racism to describe basically every single issue And it's not just the left doing it. The right does it as well. Tucker, the other night on his show, uh, referred to this new vaccine issue, the idea of the vaccine passports that you're going to have to prove, depending on where you go, that you've been vaccinated. He's referred to this as medical Jim Crow. Take a listen.
2: Pretty much everybody agreed that segregation was the worst thing this country ever did. Forcing certain categories of citizens into separate lesser accommodations, barring them from public places, treating them like lepers or untouchables, that was completely immoral and wrong. We were told that a lot and most of us strongly agreed. It was wrong. So imagine our confusion today looking out across the country. The very same people, literally the very same, who just the other day told us that segregation was immoral are now enforcing segregation. Should we be surprised? Probably not, but we still are. Just this morning, the New York Times informed us that unless you can prove you have taken the injection that the Democratic Party demands you take, you are no longer permitted in bars, comedy clubs, even some dance competitions in the state of New York. You're too dirty to appear in public. You're not welcome near normal people. Medical Jim Crow has come to America. If we still had water fountains, the unvaccinated would have separate ones. Medical
1: Jim Crow has come to America. Oh, Tucker's being raked over the coals for this. He's being, He was trending on Twitter. They're saying this is such a ridiculous comparison. Well, maybe it is, is a ridiculous comparison, but Tucker was smart to make it. I think Tucker was right even to make it because the only language that we can use in this country anymore to have any sort of moral or ethical discourse is the language of race. We used to possess a broader framework to do that. But that's been narrowed down. I talk about this in my upcoming book, Speechless. Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. Thanks to everyone who's pre-ordered, by the way. Pre-orders are through the roof. So if you want to get yours, make sure you order right now. Tucker says, there was a time in this country where we believed that Jim Crow was the worst thing that ever happened in this country. I don't think Jim Crow was the worst thing that ever happened in this country. I think it was bad. <laughs> I'm not, not saying it was good. Was Jim Crow, was the system of racial intimidation in this country... Uh, worse than slavery? I don't think it was worse than slavery. Was it worse than killing a million babies a year through abortion? No, I don't think it was worse. I think it was bad, but there are plenty of bad things. But now we can, the only way that we can talk about bad things is to call them racist, right? We, to call them white supremacists. So what Tucker's saying is, okay, if that is the moral language that we have, that if that is the only frame of reference for people who are increasingly living in an atrophied religious and philosophical world, then I'm going to use that to describe the, how many times have the Democrats compared something Republicans do to Jim Crow? They do it. They say whenever we have a voter integrity bill, they say it's Jim Crow. Whenever we say that black people can in fact get IDs, it's oh, it's Jim Crow. Whenever Donald Trump had a cheese sandwich, oh, it's Jim Crow. I I don't know. How's a Jim Crow? So Tucker's realizing this, that that's the only moral language that we have. And so he's using it because when we when we atrophy our ability to have moral discourse, we we this actually ties into the Fauci thing. We we hand all of that uh, decision making power over to these unaccountable genius experts, who it, it turns out are not particularly
3: wise or thoughtful themselves. Caesar's Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesar's Rewards.
1: called We Didn't Start the Fire. It's going to be terrific. Go check that out. Also, you know, Ben's got a book coming up. And so this is a very important book to order immediately after you order Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Linesville now for Uh, pre-order. Do I get, we can get the ding during his ad? Okay, that's fine. Uh, Ben's book is called The Authoritarian Moment. I highly recommend you get it because that will be my campaign slogan someday. You can pre-order it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or any other major bookseller. We'll be right back with a lot more. Every bad thing that, that the left, descri- and frankly, even to some degree, the right can describes in this country, has got to be brought back to race because it's the only thing that we can say is, is totally bad. Ra- you hear everything is either racist or fascist. Uh, Joy Behar showed this the other day on The View when she, she couldn't quite explain why she opposes what the Republicans are up to right now. So she said, well, the, the reason, the thing they're trying to get after, it's not voter integrity. It's not protecting our rule of law. It's not defending a million babies a year from being killed through abortion. It's not protecting our Second Amendment rights. It's not protecting our first. It's not this, that, that. They want fascism.
4: The same people who would keep us from uh, incidents, knowing about incidents like what happened in Tulsa are the same people who would like to keep us from knowing what happened exactly at the Capitol insurrection on January 6th, 2021. I'm looking at you, Mitch McConnell. I'm looking at you and Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and Marjorie Taylor Greene and all those people. They would like to keep it under wraps. Why, why is that? You have to ask yourself that question. You know, this is not just an American problem. This type of taking over the country so that the fascists can rule is happening in a lot of places. Hungary, for example, Viktor Orban. I was just listening to a very intelligent guy talk about this and how Viktor Orban took a democratic society in Hungary and turned it into a fascist government yeah. the same way that they are yeah. trying to do it here. Voter suppression, yeah. uh, uh, the courts with crony judges, right. all sorts of things like that. Just be aware we are losing our country.
1: V- Victor Orban, he's the big boogeyman. He's the leader of Hungary. We actually played him on the show yesterday. Victor Orban's Hungary is much more democratic than the United States is right now. <laughs> I hate to say it. It's sad, but it's true. She, what is Joy Bay? Be- she doesn't make any she doesn't make very many specific accusations because she doesn't have them. She said, this country, they, the Republicans are pushing for fascist rule by stacking the court with judges, but they're not. I know the left is trying to redefine this term, court packing, but the, the conservatives are have not broken a single law. We're totally following the rule of law in the way that conservatives have appointed judges. The only people who want to change the law are the Democrats through Court packing, which is not replacing judges who have retired or died. It's adding more judges to the court, increasing the number of judges. So the thing she's thinks she's accusing the Republicans of doing, it's only the Democrats who are doing that. Victor Orban is a fascist leader, because why? Because he was elected by the people. Okay. Uh, because he really the reason the thing they hate about Orban is that he, he opposes increasing immigration. He's one of the few Western leaders that actually has the spine to stand up against Mass migration. Well, guess what? The majority of Hungarians don't want more immigration. And so he's following their wishes and reducing immigration. The same thing is true in the United States. The majority of Americans, according to multiple surveys, want to drastically reduce immigration. Not just illegal immigration, but legal immigration too. But our leaders refuse to listen to them. Sounds to me like Viktor Orban's Hungary is much more democratic on that very important issue than the United States is under the liberal regime. It's fascist. What does fascist mean? George Orwell famously described fascism as <laughs> something I don't like, right? That's, that's all fascism really means anymore. There is a definition of fascism. It's a little vague, but, but uh, Mussolini and the philosopher uh, Giovanni Gentile d- described this in an essay, very little read essay, which I do quote and explain at length in my upcoming book Speechless, Controlling, risk Controlling, Minds, Fail of Free Order, uh, so you you can find that definition there, but in in common parlance, the only the only meaning of fascism is something that I don't like. Everything has to be compared uh, to, to the racism of America, or to the sort of vague charges of racism against Mussolini or Adolf Hitler. That's the only way that we can have a, a moral framework here. Now, speaking, uh, I mean, and this is a bad thing, by the way. I mean, this is this is why when you adopt stupid political premises when you say things like you can't legislate morality and it's not just the left who says that. It's also the right that has been tricked into adopting that language. When you say that, you are ceding the, the important sort of discourse uh, that is required for self-government, for, for Republican politics. When you uh, say things like, you do you, just don't make me pay for it. You're ceding that kind of moral discourse. When you say, we have a firm separation of church and state, something that has never been true anywhere in history. You are ceding, you're conceding that kind of language uh, of moral discourse. And so then y- the only way that you can, can actually discuss the issues that are involved in politics, right? Any kind of law, all of which refer to the moral law, you, you have to have recourse to these very shallow things. At this point, just talking about racism. Now, speaking of these fascist Republicans, one guy who gets it, and we've been giving him a lot of credit on this show, is Ron DeSantis. He's been doing a really, really great job in Florida. Now he faces a challenge. He's got a challenge from the agricultural commissioner, Nikki Freed, has announced a run against him. She's the, I guess the most prominent Democrat right now in the state of Florida. And you think, okay, wait, so Ron DeSantis, best governor in the country, is worried about the agricultural commissioner? No way, except when Ron DeSantis responded to this yesterday, he came out very, very forcefully as though he views this woman really as something of a threat.
5: You know, Nikki Freed has done nothing in office. She does nothing. All she does is emote on social media, virtue signal to small-dollar donors in California and New York. She put her face, spent millions of dollars, to put her face on every gas pump across this, this state purely to boost her own image at your expense as a taxpayer. She's a lockdown lobbyist, she would have had our kids locked out of school the whole year. She would have had this business shuttered for the whole year. They would be out of business if Freed were, were governor. So she's opposed us at every turn. Um, all the good stuff we've been able to accomplish for Florida, she opposes it. And um, I've done more, I think, in my first week as governor than she just yes. done in her entire time as agriculture commissioner.
1: All right, coming out very strong against Nikki Freed in, in a sort of Trumpian way. Uh, and we've seen this increasingly from Governor DeSantis, uh, uh, and, and which I think is a perfectly smart strategy. Donald Trump had, had, and I think continues to have the support of the Republican Party. And so DeSantis is channeling that. But why is he coming out so strongly against her? Who cares? This agricultural commissioner. First of all, it is a somewhat powerful office in Florida. Um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily think it is, but but it is. And because that's, that's the one that the Democrats managed to hold on to. And because Ron DeSantis wants to be the president, he wants to be the nominee in 2024, but he knows that he's going to have a very difficult time becoming the nominee in 2024 if he doesn't win re-election in 2022. So Ron DeSantis, before he deals with 2024, is going to have to deal with a serious election and that could determine his fate. This is why people have said, Michael, their GOP, we've just got to all rally around one candidate right now. And they've thrown out a few names of which candidates we should all rally around. And DeSantis is certainly one of them. They say, look, I think DeSantis is doing a great job, but there's a long time between 2021 and 2024. And we've got to see more from people and we got to make sure they can go the distance. And so one of the big tests for Ron DeSantis is going to be the 2022 election. And there's, there's a, a chance that he, he doesn't get it. You know, Florida is still a swing state. It's, it's Republican, but it's, it could still flip. It's up in the air. And there's this added problem that more and more people are moving to Florida from California and from New York. We did not move to Florida. Ben moved to Florida, right? And the rest of our company moved to Tennessee. And a lot of other people are moving to Texas. That's pretty much, those are the three places that people are going. They're fleeing the coastal cities that have an insane tax burden, an insane regulatory state, and insane lockdown rules. And they're going to Texas, Tennessee, and California. And the fear is that they're going to bring their voting predilections with them. Now, when I came into Tennessee, I met a woman at a store. I was just looking at buying a house. And I flew in from California when we knew the company was going to move. And she said, you're not from here, are you? I said, oh, no, I'm not. She goes, you're from California, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. Sorry to say, I am. She goes, well, you better not California, my Tennessee. And I pointed out to her, I said, listen, lady, you, you don't need to be worried about me. <laughs> you, there, there are people you got to be worried about. But this is the, the hope. And DeSantis addressed this directly, actually, just a couple of weeks ago. DeSantis said that, uh, yes, there are a lot of people moving in from the coasts, but the kind of people who are moving in are Republicans.
5: So it's interesting with Florida, like the media at the beginning of this said Florida's bad. And I think it's because they wanted to damage Trump in Florida, they wanted to damage me. So they just kept saying it was bad, even though the facts didn't say. Like literally last April, they're saying Florida's doing worse than New York. New York was like 10 times worse. And so I think what it did is the people that buy those phony narratives for these these media... They, they probably aren't coming to Florida, but most people see through it. But the people that see through it, they think like us. And so I think a lot of these people are coming. Uh, I think they're registering as Republicans, overwhelming. And I also have come across a lot of people who, quite frankly, were Democrats, The lockdowns turn them into Republicans because they say, I cannot fathom, Mm -hmm. I was, people say, I was a Democrat because of education, and I'm in California, and they're locking my kids out of school. I come to Florida, they're in school, people are free, people are happy. So I think this whole process has caused some people to reevaluate some of their prior commitments, and if you have a political party that puts the interest of teachers' unions over the interest of kids being able to just access an education at all, that tells you all you need to know about the Democrat
4: Party.
1: Mm -hmm. Well said. A very good answer here. And uh, yes, this is why they were going going after him. This is going to be the question. The the move here from people leaving the coasts, is that just a typical, everybody's going to flee the regulatory state and the, the oppressive taxes and all this sort of stuff? Or are you seeing Americans split along party lines? Are you seeing migration that is not being even primarily caused by people's jobs moving or weather or whatever, another dust bowl or something? Or are you seeing migration that is being caused by political views? I, I sort of hope that 's what 's going on here. It, it might be bad for the country in the long run, maybe I'm, though i 'm not convinced of that, but in the short run it's really I think the only chance we 've got to hold on to, to these swing states and and crack this this left wing establishment in in any sort of way because there are there are people by the way who changed their views. So there are plenty of people who have moved out who were say California Democrats who just realized Mussolini's reign is horrible. You know, Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles, maybe the worst mayor in the entire country. I think he might be worse than de Blasio in New York. And people leaving and saying, you know, I used to consider myself left wing, but, but, you know, the the crazy lockdown rules, keeping kids out of school, the insane racial caste system, the politics that are explicitly anti-Asian and anti-white. This is too much for me. I can't get into this. Actually, there's a woman at a Colorado school board meeting Local radio host and a, uh, a mom in this this district, uh, she's a member of the Concerned Parent Organization Parents United America. Uh, she just spoke out at the Douglas County School District against this issue that's becoming increasingly prominent, and it's you know from the way you know ethereal realm of the ivory tower, the, but it's it's really now having a practical effect on kids' education and on our political life. She spoke out against critical race theory.
0: When we look at the Gemini group teaching, which I took time to watch the entire thing, it is even more disturbing. And this group was hired by this board. Because in that training, it talks about oppressors and oppressed. That is damaging to every group of children. First of all, some groups of children are thought of as being shamed for who they are. The others are taught that they are victims without the ability to further themselves and to look at the others as the enemies. We all know the The Dr. King quote that has been shared, color of our skin versus the content of our character. He had a dream. This is a nightmare. It is a nightmare for our children, and it needs to end now. The training also, by the way, divides basically educators and parents, because in the training, it refers to parents as dissenters. We are not dissenters. We are the parents. It goes on to say and train educators to tell dissenters that this is simply the way we are going to educate your children. They're our children. We are the ones that have the moral authority over their education. We will not be marginalized.
1: Of course, but they are being marginalized. I mean, she makes an excellent point here, but that, that is what's happening. This is not just some kooky theory that was developed in the Frankfurt School 100 years ago, or rather a derivation of these of critical theory more broadly that was developed by the Frankfurt School, which, by the way, I discuss in my opening book, Speeches, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which is available now for pre-order wherever you get your fine books. Uh, but... This is having a practical effect because you're not just reading a book and having an academic discussion. That's never what these theories were about. This is about practical training to get power to establish a racial caste system in America, which is what's being done. And it's being done and drilled into the minds of five-year-olds and people who are even younger than that. And it's being drilled into people's minds in the workplace. And it's being drilled into people's minds in the government institutions. It's even being drilled into people's minds in the military. And you've got to fight back against that, or you're going to look up and realize that your culture has completely been inverted. Things happen gradually and then suddenly, and we're in the suddenly part of that. These people are telling you what what they believe. You can read the training materials. You can can read the the writings of these critical theorists. You can read the emails of Dr. Fauci, for goodness sakes. You can see where they're saying, yes, we're making political decisions here because we think this is the kind of society we should have. Not on making a scientific observation. These are the facts. No. Even think of the 1619 Project. We're not saying, this is the new fact and here's the old. No, the 1619 Project is based on a lie. The central lie that the American Revolution was fought to preserve slavery. There's just no evidence of that whatsoever. It's bogus. But what the 1619 Project tries to do is reframe American history. What Dr. Fauci is doing in his public position is deciding between what he thinks is better and worse for society as a political matter. Not what is true and false as a scientific matter, but what he thinks is what people should do and should not do is a question of morality. That's what the critical theorists are doing. It's what all education is doing. And the Republicans and the conservatives have thrown up their hands and said, oh, well, You know, you do you. It's all freedom. We can never use political power. Well, look what happens as a result of that.
3: Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards.
1: for conservatives in this crazy culture. We're looking and we're, I mean, how many times do we need to say we were right, we were right, we were right, and all the authorities and all the institutions were wrong and they were wrong and they were wrong. It doesn't matter. We We can say we were right until we were blue in the face. They're the ones with the political power, right? They're still able to do it. They lied in many ways about the reasons for the lockdown. They lied about the efficacy of masks. They lied about the risk of asymptomatic spread. They lied about the risk to young people. They lie, they lie, they lie, they lie, they lie. And it doesn't matter. They keep getting away with it. Why? Because they have the political power and they're willing to use it. And we don't. There's one bit of hope for now to fight back, which is they don't quite have the common sense. They don't. They don't. And this is something that Antonio Gramsci, one of the founders of this school of radicalism, who I'm not even going to mention what book he is discussed at great length in because I don't want to break my cameras again on this show. But I think, look, I think we all know what we're talking about. Antonio Gramsci pointed out that radical revolutions fail because the kooky, crazy leftist theorists don't have a grasp on the common sense that the common people, the proletariat, the workers of the world, it actually, it turns out they like their traditions and their way of life and their communities more than they like the radicals insane theories. So the trick is you've got to take over the common sense. Right, right now, the San Francisco Giants, baseball team, Major League Baseball team are going to wear rainbow colored hats for pride month. They're going to, Major League Baseball is, you know, American is apple pie, America's favorite pastime, relatively conservative, probably the most conservative professional sport, they're going to dress up their players in pride flags to celebrate, I don't know, transing the kids or something, right? Is that, do you think the fans will like that? I don't think so. I say this as a baseball fan. Do you think that the players will like that? I don't think so. Corporations like that the radicals who run those institutions like that. But I don't think the majority of people get all that into it. I don't think, when you drive around this country, you'll see a lot of American flags and you'll see some rainbow flags and you'll see some BLM flags. But I think still the majority of Americans don't identify with those radical leftist symbols. So they're pushing it, and they're pushing it, and they're trying to, to create that, that sense of democratic popular support. But they, I don't think they really have it yet. Raises a lot of questions too. What if you're a Muslim baseball player and you say, you know, I I'm actually not cool with this stuff. Are you, are you allowed to not wear the hat? What if you're a Jewish baseball player? What if you're a Christian baseball player? What if you hold a different view of sexual morality? What if you hold a different view of human nature, even, you know, who we are, what makes us up? No, you will be religiously coerced by the liberal regime also known as our democracy, you know, the left always talks, when they, as Angelo Cotevilla, the, the great uh, political theorist writes, uh, when they talk about our democracy, they're, they're usually talking about their oligarchy. Well, what about it? What about the players who object to this sort of thing? They are going to be forced to embrace religious and, and sexual views and moral views that they might not hold. Okay. I don't think it's totally effective though. I think they know that the majority of people don't, don't go along with this stuff. Kamala Harris showed it the other day. She was giving a speech at the Naval Academy and she made some kind of woke sort of joke and it just, it just totally flopped with the servicemen and women there.
4: And then, of course, there is climate change, which is a very real threat to our national security. And I look at you and I know you are among the experts who will navigate and mitigate this threat, and just ask any Marine today, would she rather carry 20 pounds of batteries or a rolled-up solar panel? And I am positive she will tell you a solar panel, and so would he.
1: (laughs) <laughs> so it's funny if you look, if you looked at, I think she was expecting that to be a huge applause line and then she, it doesn't happen. And then she kind of spurs in, she's like, ha ha ha. And she tries to do it. And then you hear a sort of polite, polite applause. And, but if you look at the images, most of the people are pretty, pretty stone-faced out there in the crowd. If you ask a Marine what she would like to, oh, you thought I was going to say he, but I said she, hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, women are much f- stronger than men physically, right? Yeah, no, that's ha ha, and and so would he. Uh, no, no one really thinks that, right? This is actually why the the transgender sports issue is is uh, so su- such a big deal right now. Actually, by the way, if if men and women really were exactly the same, uh, then uh, well, certainly the the transgender sports I- issue would not be a. a Problem at all, and that you wouldn't see these men winning all of these races. But we all know, we all look at the at the weightlifter, the, the strongest female weightlifter in history who's got giant broad shoulders and a huge Adam's apple and is obviously a dude. We look at the fastest female runners in history who are men. You know, they're obviously men, and maybe they've mutilated their body to some degree, but they're obviously men, and we say, you know, I just can't get past it. Why, why does this transgender issue Take so much of our political discourse right now. I hear a lot of people say, "Gosh, it's so crazy that smart people have to spend all their time debating whether, or not, whether men are women or women are men." The reason is that this common sense issue. This is a real stumbling block, because even if people go along with so many other aspects of the liberal establishment, this is one that is just staring them in the face with like big giant muscles, just staring them right in the maybe a long hair and a wig or something, but giant muscles. And you are saying, no, I can't, you can't go to your average person on the street who doesn't have, you know, a great education in critical theory and radical leftism. You can't go to them and say, hey, that husky Hank over there, now known as Helen, is exactly the same as any other woman. And have them agree with that. It's just so obviously not true. So you've got, if you want to take over the common sense, if you want to have, have a real position of political power, you've got to be able to crack even those most basic perceptions about the world. And so that's going to to take a, a lot of the political energy. If it didn't matter, the left wouldn't be investing so much time and energy and money into this matter. They've got to be able to convince you that your common sense is unreliable and wrong. But guess what? Our common sense about this virus, about these lockdowns, about basically every aspect of it, we're right. We now know it. We've known it for a long time. And the Fauci emails more or less prove it. That is something that you can rely on. Prudence is a conservative virtue. And I think it's much more reliable than all these wacky experts. But once they crack that, once they crack your ability to to perceive the world and to use your common sense, then the revolution will be complete. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. Supervising Producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production Manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Mike Coramina, Hair and Makeup by Nika Geneva. And Production Coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez posts pictures of the crumbling shack where her grandmother lives in Puerto Rico, but doesn't seem to be doing anything to help herself. Also, emails from Dr. Fauci prove that we've been lied to repeatedly, which I think we probably already knew. And also, a high school valedictorian goes off script during her graduation speech to slam the state of Texas for restricting abortion. We'll talk about that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.
3: Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards.